Good morning, I'm Andrew Bowen, in for Debbie Cruz. It's Monday, October 3rd. The sailor accused in the USS Bonham Richard fire has been acquitted. More on that next, but first let's do the headlines. The application period to apply for a license to operate a short-term rental in the city of San Diego starts today. The ordinance mandating the license was passed in 2021 and later approved by the California Coastal Commission. The ordinance requires rental hosts to obtain a license, and it establishes a cap on the number of licenses granted for whole home rentals, operating more than 20 days per year. Licenses are required starting May 1st of next year. Today, for the first time in more than 20 years, the San Diego City Council and the County Board of Supervisors will hold a joint meeting. The topic? Affordable housing. The purpose of the meeting is to ensure the two government agencies are working together towards the same goal. They'll also be voting on a resolution to build 10,000 affordable homes on government-owned land by 2030. City and county staffers will present a list of publicly-owned properties where housing could be built. Four people from the San Diego Humane Society's emergency response team are helping with animal rescues in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. The team members will conduct water operations and search and rescue on land. The deployment is expected to last 10 days. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Not guilty, that's the verdict from a Navy judge in the trial of a sailor charged with setting the fire that destroyed the USS Bonham Richard in San Diego in July 2020. KPBS reporter Matt Hoffman was in the military courtroom when the judge handed down his decision. When 21-year-old seaman recruit Ryan Mays entered the courtroom Friday, he was smiling and talking with his attorneys. His mom came over and gave him a kiss before the verdict was read. Judge Captain Derek Butler acquitted Mays of willful hazarding of a vessel and aggravated arson. Mays broke down into tears. Then he embraced his family. He read a prepared statement outside of the courtroom. I've lost time with friends. I've lost friends. I've lost time with family. And my entire Navy career was ruined. I am looking forward to starting over. 
May's trial lasted 10 days. Prosecutors alleged he started the fire after failing to become a Navy SEAL. A witness testified that Mays was near the area where the fire started, but Mays' attorneys denied he was involved and said the prosecution lacked physical evidence. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. Shifting coastal ground in South Orange County has halted passenger train service north of San Diego. KPBS reporter Thomas Fudge says the closure could stop passenger train service along the coast for two months. Both Amtrak and the Metrolink commuter train service have been shut down in the area, essentially cutting off passenger train service between San Diego and the rest of California. The track closure is in San Clemente. A press statement from Metrolink said that until the agency can confirm that the slope movement has stopped, service will not continue. Hassani Krada, CEO of San Diego's planning agency Sandag, said he spoke Friday morning with Metrolink CEO Darren Kettle about how long the gap in train service is expected to last. The service for passengers will stop for at least 60 days period. The freight service will continue to operate and the freight trains will move at a slower speed. San Diego County has suffered the same problems with train tracks on unstable seaside bluffs. But Crowder says the only lasting fix will be moving the tracks inland. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. San Diego activists are not giving up their fight to stop jail deaths after Governor Gavin Newsom vetoed a bill meant to address that issue. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado tells us what they're planning next. Yusuf Miller has been advocating for change inside San Diego County jails for years. He says it's shocking Governor Newsom vetoed the Saving Lives in Custody Act, a bill intended to prevent more deaths. We supported you, and when it came down to the zero hour, we get stabbed in the heart. Assemblymember Dr. Akila Weber introduced the Saving Lives in Custody Act in response to a state audit of the San Diego County jail system. They got this veto wrong. Newsom said he was rejecting the bill because it called for adding medical and mental health providers to the Board of State and Community Corrections. He said those additions could impede the board's ability to timely carry out its mission. Weber says that's a poor excuse. If you have those people on the board, it doesn't slow down the process. It can actually speed it up. Weber is preparing to reintroduce the bill. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. Lithium Valley. That's what many are calling Imperial County. While no lithium is being produced commercially there yet, it is home to one of the world's largest known lithium reserves. Lithium is a key ingredient for electrical batteries. KQED's Mari Bolaños spoke with the Desert Sun's environmental reporter Janet Wilson about this needed resource. So what makes Imperial County such an important piece of this puzzle in the lithium marketplace? So the California desert, including Imperial Valley, has many natural geographic oddities and wonders. And one of those is in a series of faults off the San Andreas Fault, long, long time ago, this rich geothermal brine was created uh, about two miles underground. And so oil uh, companies, or an oil company first explored it, I think back in the 1950s didn't strike pay dirt on that, but they did realize this very scalding hot 
brine could be pumped up to the surface and used for actually much cleaner power plants than uh, coal or gas. So there's about a dozen of these geothermal power plants now huffing and puffing along the southern end of the Salton Sea, which is actually the largest water body in California, not Lake Tahoe. <laughs> so they have long pumped this brine waste once they've created steam off of it back underground uh, to replenish the reserve. But they discovered about 10 years ago, folks started realizing that uh, this lithium, this salty mineral in this gritty brine could actually be a key ingredient into all these different products. So it used to be worth pennies on the dollar. Spot prices have just soared largely due to China. And yes, there are now three companies working hard to figure out how to best extract the lithium and potentially some other critical minerals from this soupy hot brine. What about environmental concerns for lithium extraction? So I'm just starting to delve into that. And a colleague is also working with me. For starters, you're not scraping, you're not doing, you know, hard rock mining. So mm-hmm. you don't have as large of a footprint in terms of habitat. But that said, um, hydrogen sulfide, Lead, other potentially dangerous contaminants can be and are contained in this brine. So if any of that gets out into the atmosphere, it could be quite dangerous for um, nearby communities, workers, etc. The developers, the would-be producers say they've got closed loop systems that have been perfected over the decades in terms of geothermal extraction. But You know, there are some releases from these existing power plants in terms of emissions, in terms of air pollution. Is there a timeline on when we might actually see production begin there? One of the companies, Energy Source, that has been the most out in front, was supposed to finally start construction of a lithium separation facility. They have an existing geothermal brine facility. So the idea is to co-locate these things, to have them right next door to each other. They were supposed to start this month. They've pushed that back to next month. But everybody's saying it's likely at least two years before you have full commercial production of lithium. Do local officials feel like this could be a boom for a region? It sounds like it has a lot of support. But do these local officials have their own concerns about the attention the county might be getting? They are, I would say, ecstatic. Uh, This is a poor county. It has high unemployment. It is largely dependent on farming. Uh, by about nearly 400 farmers who depend on Colorado River water, which is, we know, is fast diminishing. So county officials, the county supervisors uh, have been pushing incredibly hard to get help and attention to kickstart this industry and brought together some pretty interesting coalitions to try and make that happen. That was the Desert Sun's environmental reporter, Janet Wilson, speaking with KQED's Mari Bolaños. Coming up, USD has a new center for business education. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break.
KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. USD officially opened its new Center for Business Education over the weekend. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez says the school will use an innovative teaching model. The brand new Canal School of Business at USD is housed in a 120,000 square foot complex designed to blend with the university's older classic architecture. But inside you'll find the most advanced technology and workspaces. Undergraduate marketing students can collaborate with finance majors on branding new programs. There is a production studio for students to create video content, podcasts, and other electronic media. Timothy Keene became dean of the school just as the COVID crisis began. Nobody even knew what a supply chain was before they couldn't get toilet paper. Now, everybody understands there's this sort of domino effect. We're trying to get students to look at business as an integrated system of cause and effect. Almost 2,400 students are now using the Canals Complex, named after the USD chairman and his wife, who donated $50 million to build it. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. A youth boxing program in Vista got displaced from their gym last year, but that didn't stop the organizer who decided to build the gym in his backyard. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne tells us how the organization is helping a group of kids become champions inside and outside the boxing ring. As you walk into Rudy Moreno's backyard in Vista you hear the sound of gloves striking punching bags. Most of his yard is taken up by a large tent filled with young and aspiring boxers. It's part of a nonprofit he started called Hero Inc., helping everyone reach opportunity. I have a motto, which is, which is um, learn, grow, and lead. Okay, so each one of these kids, they learn something, then they become leaders and they teach others, and then they just grow from there. Moreno used to teach in a bigger space, but last year the program was displaced to make way for a new residential development. We lost our, our, our big facility that we had off of North Santa Fe. Uh, so we put, we put our minds together, we put our money together because it was pricey, um, and we decided, you know what, we have the space in our backyard um, why don't we just construct something here? Moreno built a gym in his very own backyard because of the benefits boxing brought to the community. A physical activity, you know, helps you mentally and physically. Um, and not only do I want to create champions in the ring, but I want to create champions outside of the ring as well. That way they become uh, productive uh, citizens. Boxing helped Moreno stay out of trouble while growing up in Vista. He went on to join the Air Force, serving for 20 years. After retirement, the sport helped him recover from the effects of PTSD. And there was a time that my body just started falling apart basically after retirement, uh, I guess because I wasn't physically active anymore. Now, Moreno gives back to his hometown with boxing through his organization, working with kids like Alina Torres. I think it helped me like not to get picked on and like it's just because I'm small doesn't mean I can't do anything. She's the only girl in the group. She's won national titles and state championships that she hopes will keep stacking up. I want to take it to at least um, 
the Olympics to where I get top and even maybe professional. 17-year-old Franklin Garcia says boxing has kept him from hanging out with the wrong crowds. Like there's other sports kids can do, you know, not just boxing. There's other sports and I encourage kids to do sports, you know, instead of out there being in the streets, do sports and it's, it's good for your health, you know. Boxing also inspired him to join his school's cross-country team. He hopes to go to a four-year university and continue boxing. Because country, then boxing, you know, school, and I just hope to be someone big, you know, be one of the big, big top fighters. Victor Villagomez, or Tony Boy, is Moreno's youngest competitor at 10 years old. It helped me by getting confident and um, building more strength to my mind and to my body. Like the rest of the boxers, Tony Boy has big goals in mind. What I want to do is be a pro so I can make a career for myself, so it could be successful. I mean, successful. What brings me joy is seeing their expressions. You know, when we go to a national tournament and they win, a, you know, a, a national tournament or even local tournaments, just seeing them win, you know, they know that the hard work that they put, they, they've been putting in at the gym is, is paying off. Moreno's backyard boxing program is temporary. He hopes to get a bigger place with more sports and services for the community. Other sports, fitness, you know, basketball, football. Um, I would like my facility to have a learning resource center a computer lab where kids can come and do their homework and then participate in an activity. Until then, Moreno's backyard is open until the sun goes down to help kids reach new opportunities. You always want to help that one person up so that way they can help the next person. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. Taking the whole family to one of San Diego's many museums can be expensive, but not during the month of October. KPBS reporter John Carroll tells us about Kids Free San Diego. Kids Free San Diego is uh, about kids, have, kids and families having fun at museums and saving money. That's San Diego Museum Council Executive Director Bob Lehman. This year's event is twice as big as last year. More than 50 museums and cultural institutions up and down the county are participating. Our museums start all the way up north in Oceanside. They go all the way down to the Tijuana Estuary. Uh, we've got Chula Vista. We've got the Living Coast Discovery Center. And then all the way out in Campo, we've got the Pacific Southwest Railway Museum, uh, you know, where you can go out and take train rides. Each museum handles admission a little differently. So to learn more, and to download coupons, go to San Diego Museum Council.org. John Carroll, KPBS News. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at KPBS.org. I'm Andrew Bowen. Thanks for listening and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.